Welcome to Behind the Paranormal with Paul and Ben Eno. Why do paranormal phenomena seem to be on the increase? Seen any windows in the air lately? How about tentacles in the sky? Hello, and welcome back to Behind the Paranormal with Paul and Ben Eno. And this is the 307th edition of our show. I'm Ben, and those amazingly weird questions came from my co-host and partner in the paranormal, my dad. Well, first of all, Happy New Year to everyone. Uh, Civil New Year. Uh, We're back live after our two-week holiday break. And this is our first live show of 2012. The infamous year 2012 is upon us. Our show last night on the Columbia Broadcasting System was, uh, of course, uh, pre-recorded. So uh, this is our first live show. 2012, of course, is the year that a lot of people suspect a lot of interesting things are going to happen. I take it with a grain of salt myself. I don't know about anybody else. The Mayan prophecies that on December 21st, the world as we know it will end. I feel like people mess up the interpretation of that. Yeah, that could be. As I say, I'm a wait-and-see kind of guy. Well, we, we have a weird interpretation of things in the West. It's like, oh, the world's going to end. We're all going to die. Well, what does that mean, the world's going to end? It's going to yeah. go poof? I mean, the, the humanity's going to disappear. We're going to have life after people. I mean, uh, I, I don't life know. Life after people. Yeah, well, probably. Yeah, well, as many times in history, people have gotten either gathered on mountaintops and, and gone to certain places, and then nothing has happened. But mm. then again, there are a lot of strange things astronomically going on, a lot of strange things paranormally, a lot of things that we suspect ourselves from our own contacts, as it were. But we'll get into that as the year goes. But tonight, we're going to do an open line show. And so, from that cheery thought comes this week's contest question. What is the name of the actual book in which the Mayans make their predictions about 2012? And if you score that one, win a copy of Heaven's Wave, a novel of the Doomsday Prophecy of 2012. Wow, this is the, just the happiest show on record right now. <laughs> I didn't even start yet. Now, and that book is by Dirlan, a frequent guest on the show. Okay, and you know, I don't have any particular stand again in this mind business, but we'll talk about it as we go. Uh, you know, I do suspect, though, Ben, that... that the Mayans' opinion on world changes had more to do with their scientific observation of cycles rather than prophecies of disaster. Well, it's like reading the Book of Revelation. I mean, they can they, oh, good lord. Like uh, historically, Christians considered Nero the Antichrist, and now everyone's like, yeah, oh, the, the whole thing. Well, well, well that actually, that, that we had a guest on that. I don't know, was this show or the, or the CBS one? But we had a guest on who was a pre a millennialist. Yeah. Which is the the pseudo theological term for this vision of uh, the end of the world as supposedly revealed in the Book of Revelation, and you know, mo- most ancient scholars would have told you, well, that had to do well. This end of the world was, was the end of the of the world for the Jews when the Romans the Romans destroyed. Jerusalem in 70 A.D. Scattered them to the four winds to this day, uh, or at least until 1948, with the foundation of the State of Israel. Th- things uh, never got back together for them. And that was the end of the world for, for the, early, the early Christians, and really, and the Jews. Susan, yeah, we have, a, we have a weird habit of taking things to well, a they, weird extent yeah. and putting them in situations that don't really match. I mean, look at uh, no, uh, Nostradamus and his quatrains yeah. and Funny, things. you can't tell what, what's predicted until after it happens. Yeah, I that know. always made me a little suspicious. Yeah, exactly. Like, oh, he meant to say that this <laughs> happened, and he predicted this. And then it's like, well, nobody really knew what he meant back in the day. Well, you know, the Christians have a terrible habit, I think, of, of telling the Jews what their scriptures mean, whether they mean it or not. 
Yeah. And, of course, the whole book of Revelation, obviously, is a part of the New Testament. And uh, and we've talked about this before, but in, in 325 A.D., when the ancient bishops gathered to, among other things, settle a few heresies and decide what books were going to be canonical parts of the Bible, they were very, very reluctant to put Revelation in there because it was so easily misinterpreted. Yeah. So that, anyway, but, the, but today it's a big deal, you know, and everybody thinks, and maybe, I don't know, who, who am I to it, say it's It could not be true, true but looking sure, at the, the historical context of it, 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 it makes more sense that time period than it does to us. I mean, it's like like the parables. I mean, they don't really make much sense to us because it didn't really, none of the stuff that he talks about applies to us, like the, the examples he gives. Because we're, we're not we all of work in, we most of us don't work in vineyards. Yeah, exactly. Anymore. We don't work in vineyards. We don't work in farms. Well, it's, you look beyond that to the main point. Of yeah, the, exactly. You know, but just saying, like it was yeah. written in a different time and probably meant something different. Than, well, that, than it does that is now. an important point because, uh, and another thing that, that I that I've always sort of when we talk about your own gifts and, and the things that that we, that we that we do together as as uh, working in the paranormal, things that are predicted or that you suspect or that you anticipate and have a certainty about do come about but but very often it's in ways that you don't expect yeah. and that you can't anticipate and that you shouldn't second guess the perfect example would be from the christian point of view would be jesus right there is no way that the hebrews uh, would, or, or the, either in the, uh, their culture or, or the, you know, the, the ancient Jews would have f- had Jesus as a God fit into their theology. That is so un-Jewish, it's incredible. And Jesus might have agreed. But uh, whatever, if, if you believe that Jesus was the, was the fulfillment of a bunch of prophecies, it wasn't in a way that people would have expected. So I suppose that's maybe the 2012 thing, whatever happens, will be something good, something better, maybe nothing, but in a way that people don't expect. But what makes no sense to me is that people, they talk to experts about 2012, and they're like, oh, well, we're not saying the world's going to end. I mean, they're, I mean, the calendar still goes on. I mean, they st- it doesn't yeah. end. There's actually, aren't there two more cartoons? As, 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 not cartoons, cartoons, um, which are parts of the... Uh, Concepts in in the the Mayan calendar that, that go yeah. on after this one. Well, I I, th- I think so. It, I don't I don't remember. I haven't really studied that heavily. But from people I've talked to who know what they're talking about, they're like, well, it's not it's not ending. I yeah, mean, just yeah. some something big is going to happen. But yeah. most people take that big thing as we're all going to die. And for some reason, our huge fear of death like just takes over oh, yeah. everything. Well, and, when you think of it, I mean. It's like people say, well, what could happen? What could happen? We've been on the nuclear edge since the end of World War II. Since the bomb was discovered and built, we've been on the edge of that. So, And people could argue, well, the bomb kept the peace for 40 years. Well, yeah, maybe. Well, it did. But, I mean, on the other hand, we could equal. There was also an equal and opposite force keeping that bomb from hitting us. I remember being a kid diving under desks, and since we lived in an area that was within five miles of three primary targets, I don't think hiding under a desk would have helped. Mm -hmm. But in any case, that didn't happen, at least so far. So uh, thank God for that. But also, you know, we uh, could be hit by asteroids, anything, comets. We know it's a shooting gallery out there for the planet. Yeah. So, I mean, heaven knows. So, so we're on the edge anyway. Anything can happen. 
Look, look at the lunatics who are in charge of of, of the of the planet right now uh, in various countries. Uh, you know, f- crazy people who are um, have all kinds oh, of yeah. crazy Pe- political and people religious agendas. They, people underestimate like the, the danger. Yeah, yeah. Just, that's it. Every, everything. If a if in the last show, like Joe mentioned, like a tree branch came down through a guy's like windshield yeah, and exactly. killed him yep. if a branch could kill you a lot of other things could kill you too that's right so anyway so we're beset by dangers so why worry all right so mm. moving on from the subject of 2012 here uh we got uh, what was uh we had a winner for last week's question did we, did we oh did we oh yes 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 so anyway last week's question was uh locally to our broadcast area well actually it was more like a few weeks ago um it was very difficult, actually. So, on what beach near Newport, Rhode Island, was a door in the sky photographed in 2010? Well, the answer was um, Second Beach in, in Middletown, our favorite beach. There was no uh, nobody answered the question. Uh, people tried, but Second Beach in Middletown. As I say, you you and your brother practically grew up on that beach, pretty much. Yeah. Uh, so anyway. So on to our emails. Okay. Better luck next time with the question about the Mayan books. Okay, this is one from Kelly, asked not to use uh, the last name, in Costa Mesa, California. That's a fun name. All right, so... What, Kelly Kel- or Costa Mesa? Costa I did a book Mesa. signing there once. All right, so Kelly writes, Your interview with alien abductee Thomas Reed was very... Was, uh, your interviews were very interesting. From what he said, and from what I read about abductions, it seems like the aliens are interested in very intelligent people with special gifts. My question is that you both seem like just that kind of people. Have you ever thought that you were abducted? Well, actually, that's kind of a... F- I had a dream like that once, but I'm so pretty sure it didn't happen. Question. Right over on Old River Road. Well, I, yeah, I told you about that dream, right? Yeah, you did. Uh, well, would you mind repeating it for the uh, radio audience, or is, you, or is it too know, personal? It wasn't really personal. It was kind of stupid, actually. <laughs> I have a lot of dumb dreams. Like, they don't make any sense. And Well, so you think they don't, but you never know. Well, the frontal lobe in your brain, like, shuts down when you're asleep. So, like, the logic portion of your brain is like, oh, this all makes sense. Lately, most people are shutting down even during waking life. But go ahead. Well, yeah. Uh, anyway, so, in my dream, I was driving around in my tiny, very vulnerable car, and I was driving through, uh, what's it called? Uh, what's that? That town on Old River Road that's like right near in between Cumberland and Woonsocket. Oh, Manville. Manville, yep. Yeah. I was driving from Manville down Old... if you're of a uh, political oh, correctness. Yes, per- Personville. As I was coming home <laughs> from Personville, and I was going down Old River Road, and all the light, there were a bunch of cars around, and like all the lights started shutting off, but my car was still running, and I was like, ah, oh, if I'm going to be abducted, then this doesn't make any sense, because my car should be shutting down, but it wasn't. Well, knowing your car could be... <laughs> well, yeah, I know, but everybody else is car lights were like turning off and stuff and then every all the lights flickered and then this white beam in the sky came down on my car and i was just like Ugh. and then i woke up immediately yeah. after so if i ever was abducted then that was probably it you tend to have things happen to you when you pass that spot which happens to be the cemetery where your grandfather and a number of other oh yeah, yeah yeah i saw those those three lights in the sky that one time yeah, that like your, moved um, around yeah a maternal grandfather yeah no it was it was it was a weird that that, that place is weird mandel's a weird place no we got a lot of listeners in man oh you sorry think, you better well no i'm not i'm not saying the people aren't aren't bad it's just i don't know every time i, I drive through there it's, it's great it's, lovely historic little village i know but every time i'm there weird things happen 
Well, I mean, well, anyway, well, you know, we, maybe it's just happen, that though. maybe it's just that spot, like, like right there. Yeah. Um. Well, anyway, to answer the question, I really can't. Um, I, it, it has come up before. I don't really. I can honestly say that I don't have any recollections of of ever having an abduction experience. Of course, supposedly when this occurs, whatever it is that takes you uh, takes away your memory. Uh, I don't. So I really couldn't uh, couldn't say that. Um, that that has occurred. Um, I suppose in various contacts that we sometimes talk about that we have in our paranormal work, uh, various interesting neighbors, if you will, in the multiverse that we kind of run into here and there because we have a very different approach to paranormal work than most people do. Uh, I honestly can't say that it's been uh, the case that we have uh, run into Grays, uh, although you have, Ben and I operate in different circles here. So um, anyway, uh, I just I, I have to answer no to that question, uh, Kelly. Thank you for writing it in. But uh, we are concerned with the abduction phenomenon. I often will say to people who are advocates of the really nice ETs uh, going to come down and save our planet and all this business. Well, if they're so nice, why are they supposedly abducting people and conducting experiments, and doing all this other awful stuff? So we'll we'll just have to. Um, uh, I just continue our research and see what what happens on that. But I I don't have any particular uh, experiences of that of that kind. Uh, do we have a caller? Stand by. Stand by. We have a caller. Uh, we've been uh, watching various UFO increases and in UFO phenomena going on. And who do we have? That's uh, Todd. Oh, we have uh, Todd from Connecticut. Are you with us? Yes, I am. Okay, very good. Uh, let me turn it. The audio's bad. How's that? Todd? Oh, very good. There, there you are. Todd Banks. Todd has been a former guest on the show, a very good friend of ours, a very uh, interesting fellow who has a, uh, a lot to say about sort of multiverse living as we try to encourage people to do it. And he's also a member of a, um, uh, at this point, private discussion group. Stop talking about it. <laughs> Okay, yeah, we're going okay, yes, that will, that will be sure to be a That's like saying that. we have the super secret secret that nobody can secretly seek from us. It's like just what? I that too. Huh? Yes. Okay, let the poor man talk. Todd, uh you were you were going to this we were going to discuss too some of the events going on in central Connecticut and uh when it comes to UFO sightings lately and uh this whole tentacle in the sky thing has uh, has sort of come to our attention as something that's um, very interesting. So, what's going on in the, in your vicinity in the, in Central Connecticut? Well, first of all, uh, Happy New Year, guys. Oh, Happy of course, Happy, happy New, New Year, Year to you too. Um, well, basically, uh, there's been some interesting activity lately. Uh, the first uh, kind of really uh, odd thing was in uh, on November 8th, I believe. It was the night that that YU 55 comet was uh, coming. Uh, well, between the Earth and the Moon. So I was outside doing a little sky watching uh, with a friend of mine, and uh, we looked up and, you know, we kind of saw the standard stars up there and everything. And uh, then uh, probably about 45 minutes later, we're outside still looking up at the stars, and uh, my friend looks up and uh, says, uh, well, you let out an expletive, and uh, said one of the, uh, one of the stars mo- is moving. And uh, I looked up, and sure enough, uh, one of the stars that we had looked at uh, about 45 minutes before that uh, started moving, and then slowly moved across the horizon. So it was kind of odd because we had observed it just kind of stationary uh, out over my uh, condo complex before, 
uh, quite a while, and then we started moving it surprises a bit. So that was one of the things that just happened recently. Um, also, that same night, we noticed that there was a star um, off on the northeast horizon that was seemed to be blinking odd colors. And I didn't pay a whole lot of attention to it because there's a star that moved across the sky. So after uh, reading a couple of uh, Linda Moulton House reports on earthfiles.com, uh, yeah, Linda Morton uh, House, a very excellent site, yep. And, yes, and I had heard her on uh, Coast to Coast AM uh, a few weeks back, and she had mentioned about a kind of a, a, some sort of a star that would blink, and then when people zoomed in on it a bit, they noticed that it would start etching out, like, it looked almost like uh, symbols or sigils in the sky, um, or tentacles, depending on how you look at it. So uh, last week I came down the stairs uh, quite early in the morning. I woke up around 4 o'clock or so, couldn't sleep. And looked out the window, and sure enough, that same star that's been there about two months earlier was still in place and still doing kind of an odd blinking thing. So I broke out some binoculars and started to take a closer look. Uh, and basically, what happened was, the first thing was it moved out of position. So I knew that it wasn't a star. Uh, so I saw it move, like, with other stars in sixth position, it kind of moved up and to the right. And then, <coughs> very shortly after that, it started... I don't know exactly what it was, but it seemed to be moving really quickly and changing color at the same time, making quick symbols in the air. Really? So, so I was going to say, it's very easy to mistake uh, when, you're, when you're staring at the sky, to see, you know, there's something moving, but obviously this, this moment was very obvious, and it was making, doing what in the sky? It was, um, it was basically tracing out almost like little symbols. Really? Uh, it, it seemed like. And yeah, I basically had I had two other stars that were at fixed positions, and those ones weren't moving at all. And neither was like the edge of a lamppost, so I knew it wasn't due to the movement of my hands with holding binoculars. Mm-hmm. What and symbols after, were you able sorry, to what, discern? What symbols this thing was? No, they were way too fast. Uh, but after that, I checked out on Linda's uh, site, and a few people had gotten a chance to record it. And they, when it was slowed down, you could actually see what some of the symbols were. Um, it was way, way, way too fast to, uh, to figure out with an naked eye. Yeah. Any questions on that, Ben? You... No, keep going. Okay. Because you probably have more to tell, right? Uh, no, actually, that's it. That's it. Okay, actually. I, uh, I watched it. The interesting thing, though, is that I did watch it for about an hour and 45 minutes. So it wasn't like a quick little sighting and then it took off. Yeah. Um, and I've been trying to get another glimpse of it, but unfortunately we've been having kind of cloud-colored skies here um, and where I'm at. Yeah. Now we, we uh, put you in touch. Uh, did you have a chance to talk with uh, Donna? Donna from um, a little bit north of you. Unfortunately, not yet. Okay. Well, let me fill you in there too, because when you do, you'll find it very interesting. Donna is is one of our show reporters uh, for that yeah. area, and certainly is a person who was uh, the owner of a property that has has given us one of the most remarkable cases. Certainly, the most remarkable one Ben and I worked on together, and one of the most remarkable in my forty one years of, of paranormal research. But it started with uh, ghosts in 2005 and ended up with uh, UFOs and black helicopters and all sorts of, uh, you name it, a possible base and grays appearing in the house and all this business uh, up, to, up to today. So we've been working on it for years and it just keeps getting more interesting. And much of what uh, you describe, she also has described, uh, although she's got helicopters uh, flying over, there's a certain area that's involved here that we have begun to research. We've been there uh 
twice actually now, and it's it's quite a um, quite a remarkable situation that seems to be developing. Now you said also that there were was some aerial activity in your area besides this star. There was the helicopters and things. I mean that could be. Oh yeah, that's, that's actually that is uh, something else that's been going on for probably about uh, probably about four months now. There's been. I'd say anywhere between, because um, I'm able to uh, do part of my business from home, so uh, I'm around during the day most of the time, and I observe probably about anywhere between five and ten uh, black helicopters a day, and also a couple of other, like, odd, like, airplanes flying uh, very low that were, like, slate gray and unmarked, um, a lot of activity at night. I mean, any at any given moment, you could look outside and see the lights of... Uh, Five or six helicopters. Yeah, wow. That's, uh, Donna has obtained photo, photographs of, of uh, a sort of triangular craft uh, that has been seen day and night. When Ben and I were there, we saw a lot of some strange lights as well. Uh, so it's it's quite, um, quite whatever's going on in your area. It's kind of hopping, and it's again the central Connecticut vicinity, and it has uh, not been the first time. There have been a number of sightings in the, in the past. Uh, the whole Long Island UFO thing occurred yeah. over there, and, and um, uh, w- one of our other guests was a witness to that. It was D'Erlon, the author of the novel. We're offering as a prize tonight uh, for the contest question. So, um, okay, well, Todd, well, thank you for calling in. And, and is there anything else going on that you'd like to report, or uh, we'll just ask you to keep keep an eye on what's going on and stay in touch with us as you as you always do. Absolutely, and the other thing is there, there definitely have been a few uh, few triangles, and uh, it was actually my uh, father's first sighting was when we were coming back from dinner one night, and a, uh, a large triangle went over uh, one of the exits on Route 8. So really? that, was, uh, that was fairly interesting as <laughs> well. Well, the question is, what what is going on here? I mean, are these helicopters? I mean, is, is the, the the common folklore is that the, the military is working with whether they be aliens or time travelers or what, whatever you want to try and reach out and grab, uh, and, and that there was some sort of cooperation going on, hence these uh, supposed underground bases and things of this kind. But, I mean, in, in, in our research on this case, I've seen things I never thought I would see, and uh, I found evidence for things that I used to laugh at. So I, I just that so far that that's that's where we are. But uh, there does seem to be a lot going on there. What, what's your opinion about what's really happening? Well, I tell you, the, one of the oddest things is that um, that star that seems to move and etch out symbols because yeah, that's pretty uh, weird. According to uh, according to Linda's report, these things have been sighted all over the U.S. and Canada. So it's almost as if they're in fixed positions uh, around North America, where I say probably given any given position in the in North America, you'll probably be able to see one. Mm-hmm. So it's almost like. I mean, if I was to make a guess, maybe like little signposts that have been put up. Although, if the symbols that uh, kind of Linda has shown on uh, on her site are what they're showing, I don't think the message is for us, or it's used in a language that we haven't used in a really long time. Yeah, uh, that's earthfiles.com again. Now, Ben, we often talk about this, and I, I, would, I would point this out to our local, uh, local listening area as well. Uh, near this vicinity in Rhode Island, we have the North Central State Airport, and there are a lot of student pilots there. Uh, Ben's brother took flying lessons there and all yeah. this business. And a lot of them will fly at night, and so you see all the lights coming from the airport. However, th- I've always noticed, literally for years, that, that uh, on many nights, clear nights especially, there are very bright lights, with two or three at a time, sometimes in 
the usually the southwestern sky, which actually is in your direction. Oh, those those weird. They things. just sit there. They're not. Oh, there's, there's way more than three. Okay, well, way more, I, I mean, you notice these things more than I do, but well, because I usually just sit there yeah. and I'm like, oh, I wonder what that is. What, <laughs> but what folks might around here might want to do is kind of look down in the southwesterly direction at night, and sometimes, especially if you're driving on Route 146 or, or some mm-hmm. of the local roads, you do see these things. And and the thing that made me uh, kind of uh, wonder was that they don't move. They're not helicopters. You get, you get right near them, you don't hear anything, and they're pretty high up. So uh, is this the kind of thing you're talking about? Sometimes they move. Yeah, sometimes they move. Yeah, uh, sometimes they just disappear. Yeah. So, is that is Todd still with? Yeah. Oh, yeah. Yes. Is, is that the sort of thing you're well, talking about? You know, it's um, it has no the things that are uh, blinking and then kind of etching out those symbols. They look. I mean, they can look just like a star, um, and that's the one that was like above our heads. We figured it was part of like you know the Big Dipper or something because it looked like it was a star and like a a square type pattern. And then it just moved. Yeah. So it's nearly indistinguishable from a star until it starts blinking. Okay, well, as any uh, amateur astronomer will point out, stars twinkle, planets don't. And so if the thing is twinkling, it's most likely a star, If it's unless it goes on tracing patterns in the sky. Yeah, and that's why I wanted to look at it a little closer. And also the, the movement kind of clued me off to uh, yeah. the fact that it may not have been a standard star. Yeah. Well, of course, the planets have been responsible for lots of UFO reports, you know, Venus particularly, and, and now especially in the past 10, 15 years with, with, with the lineup of, of the major planets, too, of all the planets. And th- there's, there's been a lot of non-blinking things in the sky. But anyway, it's time for a commercial break. Thanks for calling in, Todd. We'll talk to you soon. Soon. Thank you. All right, pleasure, guys. Happy New Year again. Okay. Happy New Year. All right. Okay, folks. Well, uh, gift giving time is pretty much over, although that never ends if you have birthdays. And it's we want always to, Christmas. It's it is, and we always wanted to point out, of course, too, the Amazon Kindle, uh, Amazon Kindle Fire, and Amazon Kindle Fire has had tremendous reviews uh, throughout the gift giving world. And people are having a wonderful time with it. We know people who have been given this uh, for uh, various uh, reasons, whether birthday or Christmas or whatever. And they have uh, been had, having wonderful times with this device. It is uh, very much like uh, an iPad, I guess, but it can also... It's way cheaper. It's way cheaper, and it can brands like one ninety nine, And it can bring in uh, all sorts of books, uh, newspapers, magazines, upwards of a million of those things. There are apps for it. And it is produced, of course, by Amazon. And uh, there are all sorts of things you can do with the games uh, and, and all sorts of, uh, of great stuff. So, uh, again, consider that Amazon Kindle Fire. This is uh, just released in November, and people are having a great time with it. Uh, no problems uh, technologically that we have heard about. And uh, we encourage you to check it out. Staples has it. A number of other places have it. And Amazon.com will tell you about it. So Amazon Kindle Fire. Check it out. Hi, this is Romeo Berthiam inviting you to join me every Saturday morning from 6 to 9 for the Saturday Show. This all-request program includes music, news, sports, weather, and all sorts of community announcements. And what a great way to start your weekend. Join me this Saturday morning. Owen Radio. Owen Worldwide. And we are we are back behind the paranormal with Paul and Ben Eno on WON 1240 AM and ONWorldwide.com in New England's beautiful but UFO ridden Blackstone River Valley. Okay, apparently. So let's continue with our emails. Here, uh, this is one, uh, this is about, well, we're switching the subject here as to ghosts. This is from uh, Bonnie 
in Braintree, Massachusetts. Ah, yes, Braintree. I got lost there once. No, haven't uh, we all? Yeah. Uh, so, Bonnie writes, I really love your show and your and your books, despite the fact that I feel personally insulted every time you refer to the feral ghost hunters. Uh-oh. I guess I fit that description. I assure you that there. I assure you there are many intelligent, thoughtful, and sincere people who do ghost hunting as a hobby. I do it because I have many deep personal questions about death and the afterlife that I feel I need to answer myself. Before I stumbled upon your show, I was, as you say, stuck in the 19th century theories that about what ghosts are. And when I heard your multiverse, multiverse ideas, they made a lot of sense. And now I use that theory when I do my cases. The result is amazing. And I can see the explanations for phenomena much more clearly. I think you should give us ghost hunters a chance. Whether you know it or not, you two have been responsible for profound changes in paranormal research. It's some of us feral ghost hunters who are putting your ideas into practice and benefiting from them. Well, yeah, that is true. Well, okay, that's... uh, We're too harsh on people sometimes. Well, uh, yes, but I think that maybe uh, Bonnie and and others should, should realize... Let me clarify my thinking on this. Maybe Ben has another idea. It's it's not the fact. But my problem is that there are people with no qualifications who are sort of appointing themselves as experts. The press believes them just because they say this. They form some kind of group and they have the, they draw up rules and they elect themselves the. Uh, they do more harm than they do good. Well, let's say, it, it, compare it with, suppose, I mean, you may have a, a profound and a, a sincere amateur interest in brain surgery. But then there are the doing. other people who want notoriety and all that stuff. Not all ghost hunters are the same. No, no, not at all. And uh, we, we make it a point to kind of reach out here and there to, to meet them. Uh, some reach out to meet us. And uh, they, they always ask our opinions. I don't know, they, they tend to f- sometimes fall on deaf ears, I'm afraid. But they just... A lot of the, there's a lot of ego a lot of times, and, and this you know what really really makes me nervous, Ben is is and we talked about this just last week, was that when you have the really prominent ghost hunting groups, especially the ones who get a lot of television and radio publicity, they can attract a lot of young people, and inadvertently get them involved in the occult. A lot of these people, you know, if you look at their websites, you get the spooky music and all the silly, you know, pictures of ghosts and all this, or drawings and cemeteries and all this kind of stuff can do, it can inadvertently do damage to the young mind. We're not saying you are. <laughs> no, it, no, 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 not at all. It's just that I get really nervous when all these young people, especially young teenage girls who form the main fan base of a lot of these shows, get involved in this because they start using Ouija boards, they start doing seances, and wow, I may have a boring life, but this this cosmic being is talking to me. Uh, and, and, and they walk right into trouble with parasites because they just don't know what they're dealing with, they don't know how to deal with it, and they'd be better taking up soccer or, or stamp collecting. Uh, they just People just should not walk into this without having major qualifications. You know, I say, okay, what's my, what are my qualifications? Didn't, didn't I do this? 
Well, yeah, I, I, I appointed myself as, as a, a one interested in this, but I was in the seminary at the time. I was studying for the priesthood. I made it a point to seek out the best experts of the time in the church and outside of it, including Dr. Loisa Ryan, who was the founder with her husband of modern parapsychology, Father John Nicola, who was a Jesuit priest, greatest expert of his time in exorcism, studied with him. And I made it a point to, as best you can prepare for such studies of the unknown, uh, go to known sources and, and learn something. And I will admit today, I often say that a lot of the things I learned from them I don't believe anymore. Uh, but I even touched on the ghost hunting thing with Ed and Lorraine Warren, with whom I worked for several years in the 1970s. And uh, I just, what I learned was that, was the motto of this show, everything we know is wrong. And you, had, we, you really had to start from scratch. But at least I, I, you know, I didn't appoint myself some kind of big expert. As a matter of fact, I kept it secret because I, first I was in trouble with the seminary authorities for it. And later on, I was a journalist. And you don't have the local editor of the local paper uh, being the local ghost hunter either. That didn't have much of your journalistic credibility. So I kind of kept it under wraps for so long. I didn't look for any But the thing is, it's not something you want to go into as a hobby. It's, it's not a hobby. It's not like bird watching. It is. It is extraordinarily dangerous to everybody involved. Uh, what really makes me cringe is all these people go in, point themselves experts, and they start counseling people in homes or in families who are having problems, and 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 they just they just have no idea what they're doing, what they're touching, what they're getting involved with. And they don't seem, many of them at least, don't seem to have the grasp of the relationship between the people who are experiencing it and the phenomena themselves. It's more about the people than it is the phenomena. Yeah. And uh, I just think everything, the whole approach is just wrong. And uh, they're doing a reckless and dangerous thing getting involved. So I admire anyone who is seeking knowledge. And Bonnie, certainly you seem to be one of those people. But I would just say, whether you're applying our methods or not, uh, be very, very careful. Those methods were developed and applied over over decades of, of, I suppose you might say, trial and error. Even though I had all that all that training and background, so uh, I mean, there again, it's just it's a really slippery, slippery situation. So Ben, I don't know if you have any other thoughts on that. Well, what she's doing is way different than other like quote unquote feral ghost hunters because she does. She said she qualifies for it. I don't think she does. <laughs> yeah, well, I, I don't know her, so I couldn't. Well, say no, it. just the way she the way she describes it, it well, doesn't sound like she qualifies under that. Yeah, because well, she's she can, actually she's taking the time to learn other points of view rather yeah, than yeah. it's just oh well, it's this, therefore blah blah blah. Yeah. Oh no, I so, think so. You're essentially complimenting. Yeah, yeah I mean okay. she. She doesn't qualify as maybe a feral ghost. Or no, she yeah. doesn't. I, okay. I, I respect what she's saying because sometimes we can be really pretentious and we underestimate mm-hmm. people. Yeah. Because well, we're not gets, good. Well, yeah. I'm not good with people. Well, one thing that gets me, you're very good with people. One thing, one thing that gets me too is that the, these, the groups will, will very seriously talk about their scientific approach. Well, they don't know any of the science behind this, really. And they're attempting to prove the existence of the afterlife. But none of them works together. But, but the same problem exists in, in so-called real science, because there, there are politics, there, there, you know, somebody spent $100,000 for this degree, and then somebody comes along and questions it, and there's a big row. So, I mean, it's just, it, it, it just, there are problems all around. All but around then, the block. what, I, I liked what Murray Silver said last time we had him on, he was like, well, nope, this isn't something for hobbyists. No, that's right. He, he made it a point, he was very, very, uh, what's the word? 
he was very well, the only way I can describe it he was very forceful upon forceful, that up, up, upon, be, upon yeah. that point yeah, that this is not something that an average Joe can just pick up and go go do yeah it's sort of appointed to you it's yeah like that it's not like well it's like Socrates once said you need well he didn't say it but he basically wrote something to this effect that the person who doesn't want to do it ends up being the best person for the job <laughs> yeah that's true so anyway I would say keep seeking but just be really really careful and uh, you would be better off growing roses anyway grow the roses of success right anyway uh, here's one from this is also about ghosts uh, from Nils Richardson in Liverpool no, no don't use the full name oh sorry sorry okay well if anybody uh, the listening in Liverpool UK don't don't uh, just avert your ears hear that okay. okay sorry about that so Nils writes I am a ghost hunter and many times I run into ghosts that are angry either because people in the house make them angry or because they died that way how do you deal with angry ghosts? On the other hand, do you feel that angry ghosts are really parasites? All right. Well, that, that those are, are good questions because this notion of anger is is very connected with parasites, certainly. Yes. And again, for those of you who don't know, what we, what we call parasites are entities that are in folklore, generally known as demons or, or evil spirits and everything else. Because we, we explain things in folklore. Or it could be somewhere, someone somewhere, someone who is really angry too, but the parasite is feeding off them. Yeah, that's true. So, uh, essentially what Nils is doing, and here we have another ghost hunter. I have no idea what his qualifications are, if any. And uh, I get nervous when people are walking into areas where you've got negative things going on. And assuming that these are dead people and all this business, which, of course, almost never turns out to be the case, or See? rarely does. All right. But anyway, uh, it, what, what, the, what point is he making here? Either people in the house make them angry. Now, I've run into that a lot over the years. People have been nervous, especially when I come in and say, you know, I just get the feeling this is not Aunt Gertrude you're dealing with here, you know, who died maybe a couple of years before or whatever. Uh, I think this is a parasite because it just, you just get to the point where, where you walk into a room and you just, it's like dealing with, with, with the, the presence of people. Yeah. There's more to somebody than physical presence. You can tell. If you have a good feeling about someone or about about a place or about that, pay attention to that because that's what I do when we when and Ben and I do when we walk into these cases. And I've walked into many many a home and many a room, and you can just feel the anger in there. And uh, if they say, "Well, this is really just Aunt Gertrude," you know, she's uh, she's upset because we didn't do this or that. Well, you know, I don't think so. I think Aunt Gertrude uh, has, uh, her consciousness has shifted to a parallel life where she's got probably better things to do. Or if she is in a world where she's aware of you, she's probably helping you out somehow. There, there are many occasions where these parasitical entities have pretended to be relatives and loved ones and everything else. Because why? Because they, this, these are the buttons they push in order to eat. This is what they do. This is how they live. They're not servants of Satan. They're not evil spirits. And I don't think they're spirits at all. They're perfectly physical beings in their own world, in my experience. And they will reach into ours, and they, they will uh, do various things to, to feed off energy that we produce. That's how they live. Uh, nature, they're just part of nature like anything else. And they will make you think they are, say, Aunt Gertrude or somebody else. And the anger that comes across to me is, is very telling. Uh, I would say to Nils here. Uh, on the other hand, you do run into people 
who seem to be frightened or angry in whatever worlds they happen to be. And when the, as in the multiverse happens frequently, worlds will overlap at times, and that's what paranormal events uh, tend to uh, result from, are these overlappings. So when you have a problem with anger like this, an angry ghost, so to speak, yeah, it could be a human being, someone in some parallel reality, uh, but it's probably... Not what it appears to be. Nothing in the paranormal is what it appears to be. So I would be very careful of this. Um, I do not feel that all angry ghosts uh, are so-called are really parasites, but I think that many could be, or or there could be, as just as Ben said, parasites feeding off them. One of the problems that I've had from people is that they say, "Well, don't tell. You know, I will make it known that I don't believe that it's on Gertrude. Everything changes usually." And they'll say, "Oh, you're just going to make the ghost angry." I said, yeah, "That's not what we're dealing with here." First of all, I don't believe in ghosts in, in, in the traditional sense because how can you be you you without your body? I mean, it's a, a person as a wholeness. I think what we're dealing with is the actual person in a parallel reality that happens to be accessible to us and vice versa. Half the time they're afraid of us because they think we're ghosts because they see us the same way as we see them. So I would say, Nels, be very careful about this. I would. I, I don't know. I just. I don't know you. I don't know what your qualifications are, and I would just say, um, don't assume anything. And especially don't assume that things are what they appear to be, especially when there's anger in there. And when you're looking at that, look at the people in the house. If they're angry, they're going to create that kind of atmosphere. They're going to be putting, ringing, the, ringing the dinner bell for these parasites, and that's not good. So I would say um, I'd like to hear more about some of these cases that you're dealing with where we are running into this anger. And I suggest that you read uh, my book, Footsteps in the Attic, and uh, that will tell you more about how to deal with this kind of thing. So that's about all I can say from the information you uh, you give us here, Nils. We kind of we had kind of have a problem with people. We ask people to write uh, briefly. Uh, then there is a form on our website behindtheparanormal.com where people can ask questions, and many of them go on for pages, and it's really di- difficult to deal with on the show. We like to deal with it on the show so that anybody else who has the same questions or has the same problems uh, can um, uh, have the same answer at the same time. Yes. So. But anyway, uh, we, we do the best we can. Here's one from, oh, and it says we can use his full name, Dusty Bryan, but uh, it just says USA. So somewhere in America, there's a Dusty Bryan who wants, wants to know the that's, following. That's a pretty awesome name. Okay. Hi, Paul. Until I read your passages online, I thought I was alone in thinking that death doesn't exist. I, I appreciate you since my brother killed himself in 05. I'm... I'm alone. Also, I'm in my my bedroom, surrounded by orbs that have been that have been proved uh, to be so. I am very scientific, egoless, and a humanitarian. So I would love to know how to communicate to these these entities uh, uh, better. Uh, my question is that, and again, with a hearty thanks for your progressive thinking, and it's pretty rare in this verse I'm finding. Thanks again. Okay, well, uh, thank you for writing, Dusty. I would suggest that uh, what he refers to as passages online are articles that exist on our other website, NewEnglandGhosts.com, which is currently being redesigned finally, and uh, will be, but it's still online. You can still get these articles. And if you look to the left, there's a, about a million little links there 
articles on everything from what are ghosts to uh, what we expect the 2012-2016 period to bring, uh, all the way down to parasites and all sorts of things, uh, the multiverse, uh, moral issues having to do with the multiverse, and, uh, of course, the non-existence of death. And uh, so, and, and uh, Dusty is right that I don't believe, and we don't believe in the existence of, of death in the classical sense, because, sure, you know, you go to funerals, you know, the, the body wears away, it gets used up, just like a leaf on a tree that falls off in the fall, in the autumn, and, uh, but the life is not in the leaf, the life is in the whole tree, and the whole tree is you. And throughout the multiverse, you're living many, many lives, uh, the multiverse being the, the, the elegant community of, of probably infinite parallel worlds that is that is uh, theorized in quantum physics and that we, uh, I particularly have seen in the paranormal field for 41 years as the, the best possible explanation for the things I've investigated. And Ben agrees, if I may speak for him. And th- there we are. So I think that what we're dealing with is that, uh, that issue that you, you are always alive, body and everything else, one way, one where, so to speak, one, one, uh, uh, at one point in the multiverse, or probably many points in the multiverse, at any one time. Therefore, you cannot die. Death is impossible. But this does not exalt the individual, really. It exalts a certain unity that exists between all of us. So that, that's, that's what we're talking about here, I guess, uh, as far as this non-existence of death. And I myself, uh, as, as I'm sure Dusty and others have heard uh, me say on the show, was a, a, a victim of a suicide, so to speak, because it was my, my father when I was seven years old. I was there. It was a terrible experience, and that's what really got me interested in finding out, is he okay? What's going on in the paranormal? What does it mean, afterlife and all this business? So that's what got me started. So I have a, I, I, I feel for you there, Dusty. I know uh, losing a relative that way is a terrible thing. Um, anyway, then he gets into orbs. Now, orbs are a constant subject in the paranormal these days, and I find them very interesting, orbs being little balls of light, essentially, that appear to... Uh, show up in photographs very often and in areas where paranormal phenomena are going on, supposedly. And I was always very interested in how come when I was taking pictures, you know, 30 and 40 years ago with older kinds of cameras, you didn't really see these things. So I said, it, was it, is it some sort of photographic phenomenon that occurs in the later and more recent cameras and particularly digital photography? And uh, the answer was kind of ambiguous. Uh, there were balls of light that would appear frequently in older photos, but they maybe didn't look the same. But I, I've kind of come to the conclusion uh, in speaking with experts as well, they really are the same thing, uh, depending on the speed of the film in this business. Uh, so I think orbs uh, are, are genuine, a genuine mystery uh, and a genuine phenomenon. One of the problems is that orbs can be created by dust, by, uh, I have a, one picture of it. you were a baby, you're on a sled, mom's pulling you on the sled, and there are all kinds of orbs. But oh, yeah. I, I know for a fact they were snowflakes, because it was snowing. Well, I don't think he's taking pictures. Mm-hmm. I don't think he's taking pictures. Oh, no, no, he's seeing, he's seeing the, them with his naked eye, yeah. as, as have I. Have you ever seen orbs with your naked eye? Uh, sure. Sure you have, yeah, that's right. I remember that, that house in Leicester. I don't Leicester, usually uh, see them too often. Just... Yeah, well, most people don't, but there's one particular place in New Hampshire where I remember seeing them quite clearly uh, following me around, uh, changing colors, acting in an intelligent manner, as does ball lightning, really. So uh, the question is, that you want to communicate with these entities. Well, uh, I don't know here, Dusty, because in my opinion, these... 
are not spirits. They're not ghosts. People say, aha, you know, they jump to conclusions and they apply their 19th century assumptions and aha, these must be ghosts. Well, I suppose that's possible, but I don't, I don't, I don't, I don't think so in most cases. I think they are plasma-based life forms that feed around the boundaries of these multiple worlds we're always talking about. And why do I think that? Because that's where they seem to be. That's how they seem to act. They, uh, plasma is really just an electrified air molecule, formation of electrified air molecules. They don't seem to have any purpose except to feed. They do seem curious. Uh, but whether they are intelligent life forms is another question. So whether you can communicate with them, uh, I, I, I have uh, possible questions about that. Let me know if you do. On the other hand, just when you think you're getting a handle on these things, we encounter one as we did uh, in uh, the one of the cases in my book, Footsteps in the Attic, in which the, and it was right here in Woonsocket, Rhode Island, as a matter of fact, in the, the attic of someone's house, where there was a photograph taken of an orb that had a very, very distinct, what looked like to all of us, the face of an old woman in it. And this uh, appeared when we had uh, felt the arrival of someone in this attic, uh, sort of checking us out, as I would do. If I heard footsteps in my attic, I would go up and see who it was. Well, this woman, uh, in our opinion, was living in this house in a parallel reality. Uh, she was not the dead, n- nobody's dead here. There wasn't, she wasn't a dead person, there wasn't a ghost, it wasn't a spirit. And she came up in her own world, and uh, there was enough overlap so that we could feel her presence and feel her walking by us and this sort of thing. And when we took the picture, there was this big orb with of what could have been her face in it. So, again, maybe we're stretching, but maybe not. So, again, uh, yeah, sure, continue your your research on these things. I'd like to find out more about what these these do. We've been getting orb questions lately. One has uh, one person wrote in that they have one outside their house. He keeps looking in the windows, apparently. Other people say they uh, have come straight through walls and uh, this sort of thing. But again, ball lightning does the same thing. So we may be dealing with a plasma-based life form, something that even the great Carl Sagan had speculated about. So I think we've got time maybe for one more. Thank yeah, you again for your good. kind words, uh, Dusty, as well. We appreciate that. Yes. Okay. Uh, here is a... Very brief one. Okay, yeah. And this is from Ron, I won't say it, in Quebec, Good. Canada. Quebec's a big place. So you take a break for two weeks and then you just forget all about the there rule. Hi, Paul. I'm amazed at your long experience in the paranormal field. You are truly a legend, and your son is already making his mark with his talent and insight. Butter us up. Aww. Paul, <laughs> your work on poltergeists is unique and groundbreaking. My question is, how do you keep parasites from becoming poltergeists in a very angry household? Okay, but more angry households. Uh, yes. <laughs> okay, well, well essentially, uh, our, our theory is, the, I call it the Peter Pan theory. Uh, Ron, and what we do is to bring in literally happy thoughts. How do you displace the, the negative energy that creates anger and that feeds anger and then that itself feeds uh, uh, potential poltergeists or parasites in this situation that attracts them and feeds them in some, when, when the other ducks are lined up and there's anger in many households, but you don't always have parasitical activity. Yeah. And the parasites, when they feed enough, can become poltergeist. Poltergeist being uh, an old German word for noisy ghosts, and, and I've, I have had uh, a number of run-ins with them, two in particular, in which I was injured. And this can get really, really nasty. 
And how do you prevent that? Well, again, I, you bring in positive energy, faith, humor, humor especially. I always tell my boys, make sure you always laugh and not at each other. Laughter is the best medicine. It sure is. And uh, as, as I say, the worst poltergeist I ever dealt with, 1978, New Haven, Connecticut, I got rid of it by using a joke book. Now, admittedly, it had pretty much run its course. These things do, there were six of them in this case, they do tend to run their courses. They do tend to uh, run out of steam at certain times. They can recur. But I do not think, as most parapsychologists do, that they are uh, the, the, the manifestation of the energy of the person who is being harassed, the agent, as it's called in parapsychology. I don't think that this is what's happened. I think these are actual entities who are attracted by the whatever the agent is going through, whether it be great trauma or the family or whatever, and they do tend to concentrate on one person at a time. When they can't get to one person, they'll switch to somebody else. We saw that in the in the case in uh, right here in Rhode Island. Oh yes, uh, with it's uh, the in the dark case in the footsteps in the attic, the book. So in any case, uh, that that's essentially what you do. You, you you encourage the family, whoever lives there, whoever is is involved, to come together, uh, build solidarity. Stand shoulder to shoulder, be together, and to have good feeling. And that, that it's in itself, it, it, I've never seen a case where that hasn't prevented the development of a poltergeist. If they continue, however, in, in negativity, uh, you could have not only a poltergeist problem resulting, you could have what is commonly known in folklore as possession, something else I've had to deal with. Not recently, thank heaven. But uh, I've had I had some cases when I was in the seminary working uh, with, with one or two priests that I, I hope I'll never have to go through again. But these were situations where uh, the anger developed and, and the uh, person who was the victim of it sort of tacitly almost agreed to it. And the only thing beyond, you can get worse things beyond poltergeist and that's it. Uh, but bind, uh, you can have a sort of um, uh, bonding occur and you can have literally... Uh, Case of cases of possession, which uh, uh, Hollywood usually gets wrong, but they are still something awful to have to deal with and to go in and entangle. So that's essentially uh, uh, the, the answer to that. So uh, again, just be careful. Uh, I don't know whether you're um, investigating this stuff on your own, Ron, but just as we've said to everybody else tonight, who's written in, be very careful with this. Uh, but bring in positive energy, good advice for any family at any time. Okay, so. Let's, um, how are we doing on time there, Mr. Producer? Plenty of time. Plenty of time. Okay. So what's your, what, what, how would you answer Ron there? Would you uh, have yeah. anything to add? Oh, they're talking to the producer. I was like, oh, well, I don't know. What, what would he say Well, he's a problem no. all, the, all the time. <laughs> no, well, he basically said everything. I mean, oh. it's up to them to get rid of it, not us. That's, that's a very important point. It, it's yeah. really up to them. I mean, if we do something about it, they have to keep up with it. The whole thing is you have to keep up with it. It can't be just a one-time fix. That's right. Well, th- that's the thing. That's why we, we work on cases for so long, and th- we have so many. Some, you know, We've got to make some calls and follow up on some of them. Yeah. But people want you very often to come in and fix it. Especially, well, people. that's the thing in the society. It's like instant gratification. Then it's yeah. like, oh well, your washing you machine's did it. broken. You call call somebody, come in and fix it. Yeah, oh, well, well, it doesn't I've... work that way with this. No, you have to you have to keep up with it, and people don't seem well, to realize that. You have that. to fix yourself. Well, that yes, uh, yeah. and you have to keep up with staying positive and blah blah blah. You basically have to change your lifestyle. 
Yeah, and then that's a lot of people don't like to do that. Yeah, because people are like, I don't like change. I don't want to do this. And yeah. it's like, well, too bad. <laughs> well, one problem, too, and, and you notice that even among your own friends sometimes, is that a lot of people consider feuds and intrigues and anger to be the greatest pleasure in life. Oh, yeah. I swear they, and in families, that can be a real problem. Yeah, yeah. So the, so when you walk into a family, you very often find this is, here's the problem, right, this person. Okay, well, anyway, that's about it for our discussion tonight. And uh, <clears throat> certainly wanted to um, thank you for listening and uh, thank you, Todd again for calling in. Uh, you can always contact Ben and I through uh, BehindTheParanormal.com. That's our main website. Also, NewEnglandGhosts.com. And uh, we're always available to take your questions and check out the form on Behind the Paranormal for that. And don't forget, we have over 300 free podcasts of all our shows that are available at www.BehindTheParanormal.com. Exactly. And th- thank you for writing in. The, uh, many listeners have submitted their opinions per our request on the best shows of uh, the honor of our 300th show a few weeks ago, and we will be announcing that on CBS next week uh, when we uh, have that show and um, let you know what, what people's feelings are about what were the best shows. Yes. Uh, so many thanks to our producer, Steve Bianchi, and we'll see you next Monday, January 9th, right here on WON, 1240 AM, onworldwide.com, when Ben and I will welcome author and independent researcher Todd Thomas Fusco to talk about his, quote, new theory of the paranormal, unquote. Ooh. Oh, well, that'll definitely be an interesting show. Mm. And on our regular CBS radio edition on Sunday, January 8th, in Boston, Pittsburgh, Detroit, and Seattle, we'll continue with our open lines and email discussions. And we leave you this evening with a quote from former U.S. President Jimmy Carter. <clears throat> quote, if I, became, if I become president, I'll make every piece of information this country has about UFO sightings available to the public and the scientists. Mm. And I've said he saw the three-ring binder, I guess, after that. Oh, yes. Uh, so thanks for sailing with us on our great cosmic journey, and we'll see you next time. Return to this radio frequency 167 hours from now for another edition of Behind the Paranormal with Paul and Ben Eno.